0: This is Rich Phipps, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Collective Church. Welcome to our podcast. Whether you're a part of our local church family or a part of our online community, we're so glad that you're here. Enjoy the message.
1: So so way back in 2010, Marcia and I were leading a church over in West Mifflin. And it was a great church. It was a growing church. It was a vital church. And we were just at that beginning stage of opening conversations about like, our first satellite campus. And at that point, our denominational hierarchy came to us and said, we want you to move to another church. And Marsh and I were like, well, we don't really feel God calling us out of this ministry, but we'll go home, we'll pray about it for an entire week, and then we'll get back to you. And so we got on our knees, and we prayed about it for, for a week, and we didn't feel like God was calling us away from that church or, or that ministry. And so we respectfully declined their invitation. A few days later, they declined our declining of their invitation and said, you're moving anyway. And so, Marsh and I were all of a sudden, we, we were in a, in, a, in a tough place. Because at that point, our daughters, McKenna and Abby, were 12 and 9. And if you've ever moved with kids, it's really, really hard. If we had to go to our, our, our little girls and we had to say, hey, you have to leave your house. You have to leave your bedroom, your, your rooms that you love so much. You have to leave your friends. You have to leave your church. You have to leave your school. Basically, everything you've known and loved and, and everything you've, you remember in your young life, you've got to leave it all behind and we're going somewhere else. Yay! You know, this doesn't go really well. And so Marsh and I came up with a, a brilliant plan to break it to our girls. Now, we had already been over to the new church. We've been over exploring that the area is like 40, just like 40 minutes away from where we were. And so we, we had explored it and we knew that right in the middle between the two churches was an ice cream place. So our brilliant plan was to take them on a adventure road trip. All right. And we're going to end up at the new church like ta-da and it'd be great. But halfway there, we're going to stop and get some ice cream. And it was going to be so fun because while they're eating ice cream, filling, filling up all the yummy good stuff, we break the good news to them that we are moving away from everything to somewhere completely new. Like, what could go wrong with that plan? Right. And so we're sitting there and y'all, it would not have mattered if they had a whole truckload of ice cream. It didn't go over. There was weeping and gnashing of teeth. It was awful. I mean, you ask our girls, like, what was one of the worst days of your life? That day. It was hard, right, when you have kids and you're moving. We were were a family desperately in need of a fresh start. And you know what that's like. You've been there. You've been there in your life, whether it's in your marriage or a friendship or a, another relationship in your life. Maybe it's in your job or career. Maybe it's in your schooling. Maybe it's in your church. You've been in a place in your life where you're like, hey, this part of my life, I just need a, a fresh, I need a fresh start. And, and you wouldn't be alone. Like, we all need fresh starts at times. Whether it's your fault, or your choice, or you just landed there, you know what it's like to need a fresh start, right, in some area of your life. And again, you're not alone in that. The world is full, and your world is full of people that need, who are craving, a fresh start. In fact, we're not the only generation there to go through this either. That's one of the things that makes the Bible so believable. God didn't fill the Bible with people who had their lives like all together and everything was great. Everything was sunshine and unicorns. You know, God filled the Bible with people whose lives were a mess. whose lives were wrecked. Whose lives just needed a fresh start. And today, you're going to meet one of those people. And when you hear her story, my hope, my prayer all week has been, when you hear her story, it's going to impact your story. Because I believe with every ounce of myself, I believe that what God did in her life, He can do in your life. But before we go there, let me just thank you for being here. Welcome to Grace Collective. If you're new with us, we're super glad you're here. Uh, in fact, if, if you are new with us, whether you're here in person or here online, we're glad you're here. But tomorrow night, we have a brand new ministry designed with you in mind. I don't care if you've been here for 30 minutes or six months. If you're new in the last six months, we would love for you to be part of Starting Point. Now, if you're not yet signed up for it, we'd love you to sign up after service. Stop in the lobby at Connect Point, and we have a team that would love to talk to you and help you get signed up. But it is your next step to understand life of Jesus and life at Grace Collective. We'll meet three Mondays in a row starting tomorrow evening. It's going to be a blast. And we we'll hope you'll take advantage of that. But that's really what a fresh start is, right? It's a starting point. Let's jump back into the message. So starting point, we're not talking about um, a U-turn for your life. Because a U-turn means you're going back to where you came from. We're, starting, we're talking about starting a starting new starting line. A new, a fresh start for you where you're moving forward in your life to get where God wants you to be. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus or believe in God, just to get to where you know your life is in a better place. We'll we'll work on the rest of that later. But we're talking about getting a fresh start. And today, again, you're going to meet someone from Scripture. There's this woman who needed a fresh start, and she got a fresh start. And to get us kicked off with this, I'm going to ask you to just say this with me. Say these words with me. ready? God gives fresh starts. Okay, do it again like you really mean it. Like God gives fresh starts. He does. Just ask Mary Magdalene. Now some of you are like, I, I don't know who Mary Magdalene is. That's okay. Because we're going to talk about her today. You'll find out who she was. And some of you are like, ah, I know everything I need to know about Mary Magdalene. Well, maybe, maybe not. We're going to spend some time today uh, taking time to clarify who she was but most importantly, to, to magnify what God did in her life. So Mary Magdalene, um, a lot of people um, think they know a lot about her because few women in the Bible get more press time than Mary Magdalene does. You hear her name throughout Scripture. There's not a whole lot there, but there's enough to, to understand her. Her story is an amazing story. Um, the funny thing about her story is we really don't know a whole, whole lot about her. And so what we've done is we've kind of made up some of her story for her. But we don't know a whole lot about her. Uh, some has written about her. We can extrapolate. But I, I want to walk into some of the misconceptions we have about Mary because we have these misconceptions about her. And so let me tell you first who she wasn't. And then we'll talk about who she actually was. So here's the first, most, one of the most common misconceptions about Mary Magdalene. Mary's last name was not Magdalene. Okay? You ever have anybody like just totally butcher your name? Just mess it up? I've been called Rich Phillips more times than I care to remember. Like from people looking at it, I'm like, dude, just, do you see an L in there? You're reading it. There's no la 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 any of it anywhere. It's just fits like the conservatory. No inheritance. I checked. But same name. Right? Or, how about this? Like when, when, when Marsh and I, before we had kids, were living down in South Georgia, and we had these great neighbors behind us. They are like really sweet older couple, like probably like my age now. And, and their backyard came to our backyard, and, and we were friends with them. And one day they had some other friends over in their backyard, and they're like, hey, we want you to meet our friends. And so picture like 20 somethings Marsh and Rich jogging over there. And we go, hey, we want to meet y'all. And, and the couple that we knew introduced us to their friends. And they said that this, I'll never forget how they did this. They're like, this is preacher. This is preacher's wife. <laughs> like, if you don't want to butcher someone's name, just don't use names, right? We have butchered Mary's name. Magdalene was not her last name. Magdalene refers to the town that she was from, like Jesus. Like, sometimes you will hear maybe Jesus referred to as Jesus the Nazarene. Because he grew up in the town of Nazareth. Mary Magdalene was from the town of Magdala. Now Magdala was up north. So picture, if you can picture a map, picture like the Sea of Galilee, and Magdala was on the, like right in the center of the, the shoreline, uh, on the west side, was Magdala. Now Galilee is up here, and then right below Galilee is the area called Samaria. The Jews would go around Samaria, across the Jordan River, come back, back down to the Jewish territory below. But they, they, they'd not want to go through Samaria, because remember who lived in Samaria? The Samaritans. They were not friendly with each other. But down, down below is like Jerusalem and, and Bethlehem and all those areas you might know about. But way up north, the Sea of Galilee, uh, and the area around that was where Magdala was. And there was a, there was a historian... Back in, back in the day, who is really one of the world's leading uh, historians for all things of that time period when, when he lived. Like he wrote about Caesar Augustus, he wrote about the Jews and all, all, all their history, he wrote about Jesus and John the Baptist, and he writes about Magdala. And here's what, here's what it tells us. His name was Flavius Josephus. If you're thinking about a first name for a baby boy, look elsewhere. So Flavius Josephus tells us that in, in his day, in that day, Magdala had 40,000 people in their population. And they had boats. They had 230 boats. These aren't like, not navy ships. This is a fishing town. They had 230 boats. But 40,000 people? Do y'all realize that's more than three times the size of Irwin? Do you understand there's 10,000 more people than all of North Huntington put together? This was not some quaint little biblical fishing village. This was a city Magdala. And it's where Mary the Magdalene was from. Mary Magdalene. Uh, it's not her name. It was, a, it, was a, it was an identifier for her. It distinguished Mary from all the other Marys in Scripture, of which there were quite a few. This lets us know she was different from them. Which leads us to our next misconception. Mary Magdalene was not one of the women who anointed Jesus. And some of you remember those events, right? The first time you maybe remember this was when Jesus was eating at the house of one of his kind of enemies, a Pharisee. And these other Pharisees were gathered around the table and they're, they invited him to dinner so they could kind of grill him and take jabs at him. And he's like, okay, let's go. And so they're eating and in, like off the street, walks this woman. And she begins weeping on Jesus' feet. And her tears just cover his feet. And she lets down her hair, and, which she would never do in public normally. And she takes her long hair and just begins to dry and wash and dry his feet with her hair. That woman is unnamed in scripture. But many people said, oh, that's Mary Magdalene. She was a sinner. Like all, all the people on the table with Jesus, all these Pharisees were like, oh, ew, Jesus. If you knew who that was, you wouldn't even let her near you, much less touch you. She was a town prostitute. Everybody knew who she was. But she's never, never named in scripture. So that was not Mary Magdalene like some people claim it was. It's not, she's also not the same person. You remember this, uh, this woman who took this jar full of very expensive perfume? Like so expensive. It was like a, a year's worth of your salary. Right? And she broke it open and she poured it over Jesus' head anointing him. And 12 apostles where they're like, are you kidding me? That could have bought so much food for so many people who were hungry. And she's like, oh, slow your roll. Listen, guys, she is anointing me for my burial, which is coming up shortly. He knew it. But that was Mary, but not Mary Magdalene. That was Mary of Bethany. John, the gospel writer, identifies her clearly. That was like, you know, Martha and Lazarus' sister. So Mary Magdalene is not either of those two two women in Scripture. The reason that some of us were taught that or maybe think that is because way back in 591 B.C. I know you love when we go back in history, right? 591 B.C., Pope Gregory I looked at these events in Scripture and he, just, he just kind of clumped them all together, said, oh, this sinful woman, this prostitute who washed Jesus' feet with her hair, was also the same person that, that broke open the vial of, of uh, perfume over Jesus, and Mary Magdalene. Yeah, that's all one woman, and he called her Mary Magdalene. But there's no evidence in Scripture of that. In fact, the Catholic Church has been reeling that one back in the last few years, because scholarship shows it's simply not true. So Mary, Mary was none of those other people that you think about sometimes she might be. She was Mary the Magdalene from the town of Magdala. So that's who she wasn't. Let's take a few minutes to look at who she was. She's an amazing woman. There's not a lot to go on in scripture, but every nugget that we have is like solid gold. So let me show you what's here. The first one, what we're going to read right now, comes from a guy named Luke. And Luke was not an apostle of Jesus, but he gives us more detail. He was a physician. He writes with with a physician's eye to detail. He gives us so much detail about Jesus' life that it's no surprise that we can hear about Mary from Luke and get a little bit of detail from him. Now, what we're about to read, Luke wasn't writing about Mary. He was writing about Jesus, but we can mine some great things out of this passage about Mary. So here's what Luke, the physician, tells us. He writes... After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So Jesus was in motion, right? Jesus was going here and there. He was moving, going from place to place. And everywhere, everywhere Jesus went, crowds would gather. He's getting popular. Hey, Jesus is coming to town. Let's go see him. Let's get tickets. Let's go be a part. Let's go. to will tailgate that before. Him. It'd be so much fun. And and Jesus went, and every time, everywhere he went, there was a new town, new village, new crowd, new people. They came out to see him, but they didn't stay with him. After after Jesus was done preaching and teaching and healing and being Jesus, he left, and they left. They went home, and he went to the next place. People, the people gathering around Jesus, they were fans. Not followers. They, they, didn't, they didn't go with him. They didn't travel with him. They didn't stay with him. They, they, they were people who, who would go like, when he came to town. Like, it's, it's, like, it's not unlike you going to a Steelers home game. Right? You go to the Steelers home game and you're fan. You're cheering. This is great.
0: But I doubt you're getting on the bus next week and going with them to the next stadium. I doubt you're going to the airport and getting on a plane with them. Staying in a hotel with them. And going to be there on the field with them in the next game. You don't do that because you're not a follower. You're a fan of the Steelers, right? You're a fan of the Steelers. That was the right part. Wow. <laughs> Golly. Other people in other parts of the country are like, that's right. <laughs> Steeler nation all over the place. But th- that's what these people were like. They're like, oh, it's a home game. Jesus is here. Let's go, let's go be a part of what he's doing. So, so Jesus didn't have a whole lot of people who were, who were going around with him. They were fans they weren't followers. This was Jesus' ministry, going from place to place, being Jesus all around Galilee. But let's keep reading because something, something's interesting here. The same stroke of the pen, Luke writes, The twelve, the twelve apostles, were with him. And what he's saying is they, they were following him. They actually went from place to place. They left home behind. They weren't, hey, Jesus, great job tonight. We'll see you next week in Seattle. They they were like, hey, we're going with you. When he traveled, they traveled. When he moved, they moved. They stayed with him. So the 12 were with him, but that's not all. Listen to verse two. And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. So there are these women who were followers of Jesus. They weren't going home and coming back, going home and coming back. They're with him. They're in the entourage. They're traveling with Jesus. Here's, and, and Luke tells us who they were. Luke says, Mary called Magdalene. There she is. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chuza, the manager of Herod's household. Now, I want to think about that. We just, we just fly over this passage so often. But go back and, and listen to that again. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Chusa was the manager of Herod's household. Herod was king. He's king of the Jews. Now, he's a puppet king to the Romans, but he's the king of this nation. And his number one guy, the whole head of his whole household, his wife was walking with Jesus. Listen, this this Chusa dude, he's he's like number one to Captain Picard. He's, he's, he's like right there beside him. He, he'd be like, I don't know, maybe Jim Halbert to Michael Gary Scott. Like, that's the connection. Thank you. If you didn't get it, ask your young adult friends who watch The Office. They'll tell you. But here, here's this, this guy who's the number one guy to the king, and then his wife is a follower of Jesus. Just how amazing is that? I love how God works. And that's not all. Here's Susanna and many others. These women... Notice how specific Luke is. These women were helping to support them, Jesus and the 12, out of their own means. Now, there's some good stuff to, to pull out of here. Let, let's do it. Here's the first thing we learn about Mary. Number one, Mary was a follower of Jesus. She wasn't just a fan. She's, she's, she's alongside the apostles. She's along for the ride. She's, she and some other women... She's not like once, twice a month, I'll show up. That's a fan. She's a follower. She's like, I'm in this. All in. Every day. That's the first thing we know about Mary. She's, a, she's an all in, all out follower of Jesus. Number two, we, we also learn Mary was freed from demon possession. Jesus, Luke tells us, Jesus freed her from seven demons. Now, That could mean one of two things. It could mean seven demons were inside of Mary. Seven. Seven. That's a lot. But it could also mean, because number seven, in in that Hebrew culture, seven was a number that is symbolic. It represented fullness, completeness, wholeness. Luke could be telling us, hey, there are way more than seven. Her life was full of demons. And listen, you can disagree with me on this if you want to. If you have a challenge with this, just email me at jcurry at... <laughs> Jonathan would love to answer your questions. But, but you may not think of demons as real. I believe they were and are. Listen, when Scripture tells us, when God tells us there were demons, I believe they are like Satan's minions, demons. And they, they lived in people that took over people's lives. If you, if you believe in angels... You have to believe in demons. Biblically, you have to, because that's where the demons came from. They were angels that fell with Lucifer. Anyway, there were demons. And they they, they lived in people, they took over people's lives. This was Mary. Her life either had seven demons or more. Her life was a wreck. Her life was worth next to nothing. And Jesus freed her from demon possession. Like either, you know, Mary had no control over the conduct of her life before she met Jesus. Listen, if you're still wondering, why really are demons really real? Listen, you read scripture. They move, they speak, they interact with Jesus and people. God's word tells us they were real beings and they still are. And, and Jesus, our word, just commands them, however he did it for Mary, commands them to leave and they, they left her. So that's the second thing we know about Mary, that Jesus freed her from these demons. So here's a third thing we learn about Mary. Mary had money she did remember how specific luke was the women were financially supporting jesus and the apostles out of their own means they're supporting the ministry like listen you never read about the the 12 apostles having any money they weren't rich guys like, they, they left everything behind. Sure, some of them had their own boats or, like, a fishing business, but they, they were blue-collar workers at best, and, and they left everything behind. They were scraping just to get by, like, paying their taxes, paying their mortgage, paying off their boats. They didn't have any money except for Matthew, who got rich because they paid taxes and he collected them, right? But even he left all of it behind. So you got, these, you got the 12 apostles, like, we don't have any money. We're just following Jesus. You know, and then Jesus, he didn't have any money. Like he he didn't even have a place to lay his head. You ever you ever see Jesus taking a paycheck? You ever see Jesus like, hey, 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 I need my cost of living um, raised this year. I didn't get that. You, You don't see Jesus ever doing that. Jesus could have been rich. My goodness, he caused a gold coin to come out of a fish's mouth. Do that a couple hundred days in a row, and you're rich. He, he, made, he made fishermen's boats almost sink because he miraculously brought so many fish into their nets. And my, he, he took one little boy's lunch and fed like 10,000 people. Can you imagine the restaurant he could open? Hey, what do you buy for supplies? Nothing. Like we bought bread like 10 years ago, but it just keeps lasting. You know, when Jesus is in charge, like Jesus could have, he could have been the richest person in the world. But he wasn't. So it raises this question, how did Jesus buy food, right? And what about the apostles? How did they buy clothes and other things they needed? How did they eat? Well, the answer is simple. Luke just told us. Traveling with them was this group of women who were apparently independent, like they, they could leave whatever they had before, and independently wealthy who supported the ministry out of their own means, I love the fact that God doesn't hide that from us. So let me sum all this up. And by the way, there was Mary. She headed that list, right? She was the top of the list of these women who were supporting Jesus and his ministry. So let me sum all this up for us. Hey, there's no evidence that Mary Magdalene was ever, you know, the prostitute, the terrible sinner that Jesus rescued out of a gutter in some back alley. She was possessed by demons and Jesus freed her from those. We know that Mary was a a follower of Jesus. She was in like the inner circle of Jesus. She was with him every single day. Maybe like they portray her in The Chosen. I love how they do that. She's mentioned, you know, she's mentioned 13 times in scripture, in, in the gospels, by all four gospel writers. 13 times. May not sound like a lot, but that's more than almost all the other apostles were ever mentioned individually. Mary was a primary player in the life and ministry of Jesus. That's who she was. But she wasn't always that. Listen, go back before she met Jesus. Go back before she met Jesus. Most people at that time would have looked at Mary with fear or scorn or disgust because they saw the demons, right? They saw the demon possession. What they saw was was agony, beaten, broken, damaged, depressed, fatigued. Scared, scarred—any I mean, sense of worth or dignity in Mary was long gone. Take the most, take the most extreme case you can think of, of a psychosis or or a, a mental um, illness, and the desperation of that, and you begin to get a picture of Mary. Mary's life was was a mess until she met Jesus. Everyone else despised, shunned, and rejected her, but not Jesus. When Jesus met her, he didn't demonize her. He de-demonized her. And he saved her and restored her and changed her. And as a result, Mary gave the rest of her life, like completely all in to Jesus, out of gratitude for what he had done for her, which is so hard because it just seems like you watch people who Jesus pulls out of the, 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 the stuff of life, the hard things of life, and puts them back on their feet again. And then they're like, hey, Jesus, thank you for making me like, back on my feet, but give me back on top. And then they just begin to burrow back down to the bottom again. Like they go back, they take the old, the new, and go right back to the old. But not Mary. Mary's like, oh, my life is different now. I'm going to live different and be different. And she... Followed Jesus with gratitude. She's an amazing woman. And listen, it gets even better. It gets even better. She stuck with Jesus even more, even more than some of the other people who were his followers. Listen, even though it was hard when when he was hanging on the cross, Mary Magdalene was there and she watched him take his last breath. Even though it was sad when they took him off the cross and carried him to the tomb, Mary Magdalene was there. She watched where they laid him. And even though her life was forfeit or could have been forfeit, because listen, in that culture, when a criminal is accused and sentenced and put to death, his followers could suffer the same fate. Mary was a follower of Jesus, a public follower of Jesus. But that didn't stop her. On the first day of the week, the first, what we would call Easter morning, Mary's the the, the first person marching out to the tomb. To take care of Jesus' dead body. That's Mary. But when she got there, you know this, right? She didn't find a dead body. She found an empty tomb. She and this group of women became the very first people in the world to hear the good news. To hear that Jesus wasn't dead anymore. I want you to think about this. This is, has this is, this is blown my mind all week as, as God was pouring this message into me. When she's at the tomb, and the women are at the tomb, they find out Jesus, you know, he's, 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 he's not there. He's been raised. They go to some other people. And then, you know, Peter and John, they, by the way, I don't, don't want to throw the apostles under the bus, but where were they? Hiding behind locked doors because they knew their lives were in danger, right? Hey, you ladies, go check it out. Ladies first. Great guys, Right? But when Mary brings back the news, Peter and John, they rush to the tomb, they run, they get there, they find an empty tomb, and they're like, God, I don't know what it means, I'm going back, I don't know. And, and they didn't see Jesus, but there was a moment, maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour, I don't know, but there, there, there was a moment, listen, where Mary was the only person in the world to lay eyes on the resurrected Jesus. Which is absolutely crazy in that culture. Again, this is what makes the the gospels and the Bible so, and the resurrection of Jesus so believable. If the gospel writers were making this up, they wouldn't write that. They would have men there. Because in that culture, women's testimony counted for nothing. Women, I'm sorry, but you were never allowed to come into court and give a testimony. Your witness simply didn't matter. You could be been an eyewitness to the whole thing, and that didn't matter because women didn't count. God is, you see how God elevates women? Like, again, if you're a lady, you don't believe in Jesus, you should follow Jesus. Like, in history, he's like, okay, ladies, let me elevate you. When the world would not give testimony privileges to a woman, God said, watch me. And there was a span of time for 30 minutes an hour where Mary was the only person. Can you imagine that? In the whole wide world to have seen Jesus. And then, and then Jesus said, oh, by the way, go back and tell the guys. So she's not only the first witness, but she gives first testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. The greatest news the world has ever heard. Tell me something, friends, tell me something. Help me understand. Help me understand this. How does Mary go from this wrecked life, this messed life, this worth less than nothing life to the person that God entrusts the greatest news the world's ever heard to? How how did you go from this to this? One answer. Because God gives fresh starts say it again with me God gives fresh starts listen maybe you are here this morning you're like yeah you know I need that there's there's a part of my life maybe just all of my life I just need a fresh start where do you need a fresh start do you need a fresh start you know because maybe you need some forgiveness from your past hey good news God gives fresh starts do you need a plan for your future good news God gives fresh starts Do you need freedom from an addiction? God gives fresh starts. Do you need cleanse from some shame? God gives fresh starts. Do you want to get that guilt finally out of you? God gives fresh starts. Do you need some hope after being hurt? God gives fresh starts. He does. What he did for Mary, he can do for you. So let me ask you something. Who here needs a fresh start? Let's just, let me me do something. Let's just, let's get really real. Let's get authentic. Let's get vulnerable. Let's do what we came here to do today. And let's just stop talking about Mary. And just for a second, let's talk about you. Who here? Who here needs a fresh start? Who here needs a fresh start? Some area could be your marriage. Could be a friendship, could be a relationship. Like everything was going great until she said. Well, we were we were perfect together until he did. Maybe, maybe, you need, maybe you need a fresh start with your kids. Why does it seem like your kids, are, they're running 100 miles an hour in the opposite direction from where I know they should be? Or why is it that I, I don't even have a relationship with my kids? How can I, I can't even talk to my kids. I need a fresh start with my kids. Maybe it's in your job. Maybe it's at your schooling. Maybe you just, you're like, I don't know where to go, God. I just need a fresh start. God gives fresh starts. Hey, let's, let's do something. Let me do something. I'm going to come down front. Cameras can't follow me. This is so much fun. Let me ask you all again. Let's just get really real. Who needs a fresh start? Okay. What we're going to do in a minute, if you need a fresh start, I'm inviting you. I'm calling you out to this space. I cannot wait until this space is the most popular space in this entire church. I can't wait Y'all are like leaning in, but you're not like getting up yet. But we'll get there. And today's the start. We're going to sing a song in a minute called, Come to the Altar. And while we're singing, I'm going to post myself here. Pastor Jonathan's going to come in and post himself here. We're, we're, we're 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 going to make ourselves available. And if you need a fresh start, then I want you to come to this altar. You can stand. You can kneel. And just say to God. God. I know you do this, and I really need this. And if you want us to pray with you, we'd be so honored to pray with you. Listen, I know it's scary. If I had to ask you again right now, like who wants a fresh start, like half the hands would be <laughs> like, "Who needs a fresh start?" I do. Come to the front. No, I'm okay. <laughs> think about, think about this. Think about this. Think about this. How hard was it for Mary when her life was such a mess to come to Jesus? To come in front of everybody else who ridiculed her, probably spat on her, threw stones, whatever. How hard, how risky was it for Mary to come to Jesus when her life needed a fresh start? Way more risky than you walking 20 or 30 feet to get to the front of a church to meet with Jesus. So what do you say? Will you come to the front today, just say, Jesus, I just need you. A fret in my life or this area of my life. Let me pray for us right now and then the worship team is going to lead us and Jonathan and I will be up here. You just come up and we'd love to pray with you in any way you need us to. Let pray. Father God, what we're about to do may feel kind of strange or scary and risky because it is. Because God, we're saying that what we've been and where we've been or what we've been through, what's been done to us, we're finally saying goodbye to it. And we're saying, Jesus, would you give me a fresh start today? So God, I pray that you would give us courage to risk enough to walk to the front and say, God, here I am, and here you are. Will you do in me what no one and nothing else has ever been able to do before? because nothing else can do what I need you to do, Jesus, and that is to give me a fresh start. I pray for new lives, changed lives, God, vulnerable lives given completely to you today that we would watch you do the work that you do. Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come and do this work. We commit this to you, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you found something practical to use in your life today. At Grace Collective, our mission is to connect people to Jesus. Everyone, everywhere, every day. You can visit gracecollectivechurch.com
1: to learn more about our church and how you can get involved.